Good morning. I'm so delighted to be back here at Trinity. Uh, some of you I've had a chance to introduce myself to. I'm Bill Parnell, and it's my joy to serve as the canon to the ordinary for the Diocese of Massachusetts. The ordinary is our bishop, Alan, and he and our bishop, Suffragan Gale, send you their greetings today. The canon to the ordinary works very closely with our bishops but also gets to come and visit in all of the 180 congregations of this diocese. And so it is a joy for me to be back here with you all at Trinity today. Perhaps you, like me, are feeling a little bit more buoyant these days because we've gotten daylight savings time. And the afternoons are longer with light. It's not getting dark at four o'clock anymore, praise God. <laughs> and also this past week was the first day of spring. Hooray. I, uh, confession time, I start to get really grumpy in February. Because uh, along about the end of February, I have just had it with winter. And so March, which often coincides with Lent, Lent, coming from the same word as to lengthen, brings me great joy. I am a happy person in Lent because the days are getting longer and things are starting to grow yet again. You see, I'm a gardener by avocation. How many of you are gardeners? I thought so. I knew it would be the case because the lawns are so lovely here in Concord. And I know that you all have something to do with that. And I also know what a lovely little garden you all have here at Trinity. And I know there's someone who tends that garden. And I appreciate it because every time I come here, I look at it. Well, I am a gardener by avocation. And so the first day of spring, I know living here in the Northeast is not the day you can go and plant things. I've learned that. But it is the time when you can start thinking about what you're going to plant. Am I, are you with me? And so my mind starts to turn to what I'm going to do at the garden shop this spring, what I'm going to plant in the garden. And I start doing a little tour to see how things have fared. I go around looking to see if anything is starting to push up through the ground along about now. I start to gauge how much weeding and how much leaf raking and all of that stuff that has to happen in the spring, how much of that is going to need to go on. So this is actually a rather expectant time for me, this Lenten season. Perhaps it is for you, too. Like your rector, Nancy, I spent a significant number of years of my life in New Jersey. 
I was for 16 and a half years the rector of Christ Church in Hackensack, New Jersey, just a few miles over the bridge from New York City. And I was very fortunate when I lived there to have a rather large piece of land in the rectory's backyard where I could grow things. And when I arrived there in 1994, things were relatively untended. And so there was lots of space for me to do things in that garden. I always said that gardening was my therapy. And if you saw how much I planted, you would know just how badly in need I was of therapy. It's true. And so I began to till and dig in this garden and to go to the nursery and buy all sorts of things. And I can't remember how long it was into this little adventure, but one day I went to the garden shop and I came across a fig tree, a little fig tree. It was probably, I don't know, two or three feet high. And Having grown up in the South, I didn't even know you could grow a fig tree this far north. But the tag on this fig tree assured me that it would survive northern winters. And so in my mind, I began to picture the enormous fig trees that had graced the backyards of people in my hometown of Atlanta, huge things that would supply a bountiful crop of figs, which my mother and my aunts and my cousins would then turn into jar upon jar upon jar of fig preserves, so many that we could not possibly eat them. I think they fed the entire town for a year at breakfast. So this was what was going through my mind. I snapped up that fig tree, threw it in my cart, went home, found a place of honor for the fig tree in the backyard. Because being a priest, fig trees mean something in the Bible. Fig, to sit under one's fig tree in the Bible is a sign of being happy and at peace and being drawn close to God. So place of honor for the fig tree, and I fertilized and aerated and did all of that, and it started to grow. And during that first summer, my recollection is that I had maybe a half a dozen little marble-sized figs on my fig tree. You couldn't do anything with them because they were as hard as bullets. <laughs> But I had my little figs. As winter approached, I was still concerned about the survival of the fig tree in a harsh northern winter. And so I consulted a friend of mine who was of Sicilian ancestry. I figured they would know something about fig trees. He had grown up in Queens and, in fact, his family had had a fig tree in their backyard, and so I said, what do I do? His instructions to me were to go to Home Depot and buy a roll of tar paper and to wrap the fig tree around with this tar paper, 
two or three times around, and then to put a bucket, an aluminum bucket, over the top of it to protect it through the winter. I did this, and I lived with that monstrosity in the backyard all winter long. It was ugly, but I thought it was protecting the fig tree. Spring arrived, and I took the bucket off, unwrapped the fig tree, and it looked dead. But I waited, I fertilized, I aerated, and a few leaves sprang out. I don't believe I got any figs that year. So winter came round again, and I thought, I'm not consulting the Sicilians anymore. I'm doing what I want to do, and I just left it there. The next year, barrenness. I don't remember how long this went on, but it was a while. And finally, I got tired of looking at this stick of a fig tree. And so I thought, I need to give up. I need to dig it up. So I went to the garage, got out the shovel, set it down, stomped on it, and cut right through a root of the fig tree. And when I looked down as I started to dish the fig tree out of the ground, I saw around the perimeter of that root a very bright green. And the root actually looked rather healthy. And so I was moved by the greenness that I had not seen, and I thought, Maybe I'm not done with it yet. So I looked around and I thought, where can I put this thing? It's obviously not liking it where it is, so I'm going to move it. Well, there was a part of the garden that was actually outside the garden. It was over around by the side of the house, which was the part where I never went anyway. But it was sheltered. There was a, a, an L in the design of the house there, and the chimney was right there. And so I decided that might be a good place for the fig tree, and I put it there, and I aerated, and I fertilized, and then I left it alone. Not much happened, but it didn't die. In fact, there were a few sprouts. Time went by. It's lost in my memory now, but what I can tell you is that by the time I left Hackensack, New Jersey, I had a few figs, and I ate them. (laughs) You see, I've come to understand that the ways of God like the ways of the garden, are full of mystery and wonder. I still can't tell you what I did wrong with that darn fig tree. I tried. I really tried. And I can't tell you what I did right either. All I know is that somehow, wonder of wonders, It finally grew and produced fruit.
I stayed attentive and did my best. And isn't that what we're called to do as Christians? To stay attentive and do our best. I know that the ways of God, like the ways of the garden, are full of mystery and wonder. And half the time, I'm somewhat at a loss as to how to follow Jesus, who is, after all, the master gardener of our lives. But what I have learned is to stay attentive, to try something and see if it works, to rejoice when it does, and to be a little sad when it doesn't, but not to be defeated by that, to try something else, maybe to try something new. I've learned to be attentive, to prune where it's needed, to fertilize, to nurture. I've learned to rejoice in the unexpected growth that God gives, that seed that blows across the lawn and finds its way into a crack and then blossoms. You see, I don't always know exactly what the way forward is. But I've come to trust that God does provide the way forward. Because God is interested in our growth. God craves our blossoming. God rejoices when we all bear fruit. One of my mentors is a priest named Carol Anderson, who is now retired, and she taught me something that is my mantra every day. God's work done in God's way will never lack God's provision. God's work done in God's way will never lack God's provision. The challenge of the Christian life, the hope of Christian life, is to stay attuned, alert, curious, seeking of what God's work is, that we might do it in God's way. So, a few weeks ago, I had the joy of meeting with your rector and wardens and vestry to facilitate a mutual ministry review for Trinity Parish. Some of you all know about that because you may have participated in that survey that was sent around by the vestry. I think there were some 120 or so responses to that survey, which provided a lot of information to your elected leadership about what you all value what you do well here at Trinity, how you see God at work in that. And so think of a mutual ministry review 
as that spring walk around the garden where you're taking stock of what is, what needs tending, what needs pruning, what needs cleaning up, what's going to need more fertilizer and nurture, what may be the new thing that you put into the garden. And so earlier this morning, before this service and after the 8 o'clock service, your vestry led a forum, which some of you attended, to talk about the results of that mutual ministry review and how they are beginning to think about how that may make changes, some small and some large, in your life here at Trinity. That's not something that can be done in a day. It may not even be able to be done in a growing season. But it does chart the course, doesn't it? It helps you to see how you can be about God's work in God's way, with God's provision, in this place. Of course, that's going to require hard work on everyone's part. The master gardener requires a rather large crew in this world where there is so much to be done. But remember that God's desire is growth and blossoming and fruit bearing. And that that's what you're called to do here at Trinity. It's great that you ask yourselves, what do we value? What do we do well? What do we need to nurture here? Make sure that you're also asking, what does God want from you? What does God want here at Trinity? And it conquered. Trust me on this. I know what God wants. I know that God wants you to flourish. I know that God wants you to blossom here and grow closer to God and to one another. I know that you can do that if you stay attentive to the way of Jesus the master gardener. And I know that there will be a lot of mystery and wonder in it because none of us can know God's ways fully. We can only seek to follow and pray that there will be much fruit on the other side. God's work done in God's way will never lack God's provision. May you rejoice in the mystery and wonder of God's garden here at Trinity.